It's not complicated. It's never complicated with this head coach. It's always about the same two words that he once spoke to Chris Letang in San Jose. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates. Same place you found this. Penguins versus Canucks tonight at PPG Paints Arena. That's a 7.08 p.m. faceoff. I'll be there covering it for DK Pittsburgh Sports. It'll be nice to have the team back after being gone for a couple of weeks. Winter Classic. Losing badly, I thought, in Las Vegas. And then winning kind of okay in Tempe, Arizona. And most important, by far, out of that winning was the third period in which they gave the Coyotes very, very little ice and did a bunch of other really smart things along the way to finish it off, not least of which was adding on. The Canucks are at about the same place that the Coyotes are in the standings, but the Canucks have, no question, more dangerous weapons up front in JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, and a few others, including on the back end. And the challenge remains the same. The challenge remains that this team needs to defend. This team needs to begin excelling from the back out. Yes, that's going to be more difficult without Chris Letang, without Jeff Petrie, without Chad Ruedel, for that matter. It's going to be more difficult for as long as Tristan Jari is out, although Casey DeSmith played really well, I thought, in Tempe. And it's going to be more difficult for as long as Mike Sullivan persists in using Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Carter, because both of them have been absolutely abysmal, but especially on the back end. Regardless, this is a good place for this to start. This week is a good week to do a reset. Canucks with their threats. The Jets come in Friday night with all of their threats. And Winnipeg, unlike these last couple of opponents, is high up in the standings and high up for a reason. They've got a lot going on this year. It's been a surprise to me. This is the time. If it's dull, it's dull. If it's in front of the home crowd, who cares? Doesn't matter. Get it going but get it going from the back. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. So what's that mean and why is it important? I'm going to make this as simple as possible, including for those who are new to the sport in general, who just happen to have latched on uh, either to the NHL or to the Penguins specifically. And it comes down to something as basic as this. Did you not like, for the most part, what you've seen of the Sidney Crosby line over the past let's say, two, three weeks, because I haven't. They haven't been productive. They haven't gotten goals until the couple that Jake was able to pop against the Coyotes 
Sid got one in garbage time a couple nights earlier in Las Vegas. But for the most part, you haven't seen them as much. You haven't noticed them as much. Want to know why? Break down the footage because I've done that. And I can tell you that the main reason for it is they haven't had the puck. They haven't gotten the puck. They haven't been sprung the way they need to be sprung from the defensive zone. And here again, you can point, and rightly so, to the absences of Latang, Petrie, and again, even including Ruedel, because he'll make a decent breakout. But when the play isn't boomeranging back for the Penguins, they're not going to be anywhere near as effective of an offensive team. If you go back to that month or so where they were just flying high, they were beating everybody, it didn't matter where they were in the standings, and that, by the way, includes the likes of the Golden Knights and the Jets and a few others, they were able to do that in large part because of a strong counterattack. They were taking the puck away from their opponents, they were moving it up quickly, and they were getting their share of odd man breaks and other situations that allowed them to produce five-on-five offense or, at the very least, draw a penalty that would bring the power play on, and then the power play was really good, but only for that month because it was a disaster before that and it's been a disaster since. But I digress. As opponents were passing through Pittsburgh and head coaches of those opponents would be asked afterward what it was that impressed them about the Penguins, they would almost invariably bring up, and I mean first, the counterattack. The fact that when they'd make a mistake, the Penguins would make them pay for it. Well, a lot of that began with a good, solid outlet. A lot of that began with the F3 or the high forward making sure that they were back and the Penguins always had numbers. So when you thought you had a three-on-two as the opponent, you soon found out that you really had a three-on-three and a forward would swing the play back in the other direction. None of that's been going on now for a while. They need to get back to all of that. If they're going to produce offense, if they're going to get goals, they're not going to do it by hanging out by center red. And speaking of examining footage from recent games, there is a reason that Jake in particular went so long without a five-on-five goal because he's one of those people that was doing that hanging out by center red. That used to be called cherry picking in the day, and it was seen as a really, really bad thing. It isn't so much anymore. It's, It's now all about the stretch pass or making sure that we're pulling their defense back from the whatever. Whatever it is, It wasn't working because they weren't getting him the puck, so they all needed to come back lower into the defensive zone and get the puck themselves or make themselves available for the best possible head man and hustle to get open, present their blade to the guy making the pass. If you see the Penguins doing that tonight, and I'm talking about right off the bat, well, after Vancouver scores in the first minute, then you'll know the Penguins are there to do things right. When we come back, J1Q.
from Mike, who says, given that there's no cap room for a shakeup type of trade, what roster moves would you make to get Ty Smith a roster spot and put Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Carter into the press box when everyone is healthy? Uh, There's a couple of assumptions being made here within your question, Mike, and I'm going to go at those before I get into a full answer. The first is that Dumoulin and or Carter will ever spend a day in the press box or that something cap-related is preventing them from spending a day in the press box. This is way, way, way more about who they are, what they've done in the past, and of course, never ever omit this as a factor, money. They're being paid a lot of money to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins, not to sit. And it was this GM who signed Carter to the two-year extension, (laughs) insanely enough. And it's this GM who'd also be in that press box and who wouldn't want to be walking by, if only for his own purposes, a constant reminder that that maybe wasn't such a great idea. Second, you're presuming that it's Smith that I'd want to see in there over Dumoulin when everyone's healthy, and it might not be. Mark Friedman looks completely comfortable on either side of the rink, and he will swear up, down, and sideways he couldn't care less which side he plays on, not just because, you know, he'd like to take a regular shift in the NHL, so it's a natural thing to say he'd probably offer to play goal if he could, but because he actually shows it. When he first arrived with the Penguins, he did a lot of left side, and he was at times actually more creative from over there and more effective at doing exactly what I just talked about in the opening segment, which is finding a way to get the puck forward. I'd like to see something become of Smith at some point. I don't know that that's today, but if I was doing a lineup right now and I'm the one you asked, I would go with Friedman and I would not play Dumoulin. And in Carter's case, it's a little bit more complicated Because Carter, I think, can still be effective as a bottom six winger. If you put him in the right role, he's going to be okay. Having him at center just because he wins more draws than he loses is nuts. Okay, it's overvaluing faceoffs, and there is such a thing. And it's putting him into a position of way too much responsibility, especially in the defensive zone when draws get lost, because he does too. And then we get to the first thing that you asked, and I'll finally answer your question, which is what would you do in terms of cap space? My answer to that is almost always to punt, because I have no earthly idea. I am not a capologist. It's Super easy, convenient, and arguably lazy for someone like me to say, well, just make it happen. Make the cap space appear. But you know what? When that's what you're tasked with as the GM, and when you are the one who backed yourself into this cap corner, yeah, yeah, you figure it out. I'm not going to do that. Find a team that needs to add payroll to get to a salary floor or whatever. Find a team that fancies itself as a cup contender and might uh, place an inordinate amount of value on the fact that 
Dumoulin and or Carter have won Stanley Cups in the past and could come in and make a difference in their locker room or whatever. You know, Edmonton. Anytime you think about wanting to make a bad trade, meaning bad for the other guys, call the Oilers. It's worked well historically. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do another one tomorrow. Mm-hmm.